God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor Todd is away on a, on a study week in that, so um, we just want to continue to pray for him. And Pastor Todd mentioned uh, last week that Pastor Derek started back at the office today after his uh, journey. Amen. And he'll be speaking next Sunday morning, and maybe he'll be bringing some of that out, I'm not sure. But Pastor Todd, in, in talking about Pastor Derek last week, did mention the Maple Leaf score. I don't know if this is something regular, uh, but I thought I'd mention it that the Bruins won last night, three to two. Um, oh, I don't think we're going to mention any other teams, because they're not important unless they're playing with the Maple Leafs. There we go. I knew I'd get an amen there. We're starting a new year. If this is uh, your first Sunday back, we want to welcome you, and again, Happy New Year. And uh, we want to, again, as we're looking ahead, all kinds of, of thoughts, and that can sometimes, as we're approaching a new year, uh, can kind of come into our, uh, into our minds, into our thoughts. But um, uh, where we stand, we stand at the start of a new year. Some people look at it as a, as a new beginning, uh, potential, everything before us. Um, and we can make plans, and we can have goals, and we can have a lot of, of ideas, but there's still a lot that's in the unknown, unseen. Um, I don't know if you've ever, well, yeah, we live in Sudbury. Have you ever driven in the snow? Yeah, okay. silly question, sorry. I went south for a moment. Uh, driving in the snow, driving, you know, when you can't really see the road or, or if it is snowing or even in the fog and you can't really see where you're going. Now, if, if you know the road, if you're familiar with the surroundings, landmarks, you're usually okay. You're pretty confident. If you're on a new road or going somewhere you've never been before, it can be a little bit more um, uncertain. Actually, the uh, 50s and 60s had an uh, event a while ago at the Havistos Okay, did anyone know that people live north of Sudbury Airport? Did any? I mean, I've gone to the airport and I felt like we'd just kind of gone to the end. People, if you keep driving, you are going to find people there. The Havistos lived there, and, and although we had written directions, we had never been there before. And I'll admit, there were a couple times we thought, okay, we must have missed something because we just had to keep going and going and going, and uh, now coming home, even though it was at night, was a lot easier. Because we knew where we were going. We had already been there. Sometimes the future can be hard, because we haven't been there yet. And so it's really hard sometimes for us to have the same faith, the same confidence. Life, well, it's like sometimes driving in a fog. Sometimes we can only see a little bit, a few steps ahead of us. The rest we have to just trust that God's going to be there. Hindsight, people have said, is 2020. Looking back, looking at what's behind us, we see things differently. Sometimes even coming through a difficult situation, we see things differently. From where I stand, from where we stand, after we've come through something, sometimes we understand things better than when we were going through them. Has anyone experienced that before? We have a different perspective sometimes when we're looking back. How we view things, the way we look at things is sometimes different after we've gone through it 
and we're looking back. We may have gone through difficulties and different experiences, and often they mold our thoughts. They mold our attitudes, our fears, our, our even our precautions of, of what we're afraid of or concerned about, even our expectations for the future. Sometimes what we've come through affects how we live today and how we view the future. Whether that's consciously or unconsciously, we can um, uh, sometimes be affected by what's behind us. I've got the clicker, but I forgot all about clicking. So thank you. I'll try. Um, It's so important uh, that we know where we stand in life. As Christians, we need to stand in Christ. We need to stand in his love, his mercy, his grace. That's something that we've experienced, something that's behind us. When we've come to Christ, we've experienced his love and forgiveness. Amen? And that's something that every day we need to stand in. That's how we need to live our life. We need to live our life standing in the love, the mercy, and the grace of God. And therefore, how we look at things that are happening or may happen are affected by where we stand in the love of God. God is eternal. We sometimes only see a little bit. He sees it all. We actually need to, to stand in with an attitude of eternity, not just here and now. It's so easy and it's so human to get so focused at, at life right now that we forget that this is only a small part. When we look at things in the eyes of eternity, even our life, the psalmist says, is, is like a whiff of smoke. It's like lighting a match, blowing it out. That smoke is there, and then it's gone. Eternity is forever. And we need to begin to even live our life with that idea, that thought ahead of us, guiding us, even what's important. Now, in this room, we all have our own thoughts of what's important, and sometimes it's affected by either what we've gone through or where we are right now. I think it's important to think of what's important to God. And as God's children, we need to keep that in mind. We need to be living our life with the thought of what's important to God. What does he value? What does he see as important in my life and for me to do and how I should live? When we look at foresight, we're looking ahead. The future, the unknown, a lot of it's out of our control, as we've already said. Many people find that really hard because it's out of our control. Anyone want to admit to that? A couple hands. And the rest of us aren't acknowledging it. Sometimes when we look to the future, we can have real fear. Because we don't know what to expect. We, we aren't in control. And it can really have an effect upon us. But the future, that's all we have. The past is gone, like, like Christmas turkey. It's over with. It's gone. But the future, from the day we're born, that's all we have, is the future. And that goes beyond, as Christians, that goes beyond our so many years. The future, again, goes into eternity with God. 
from where I stand and how I look at things, my view of things in faith and trust in God. As Christians, I think it's important that we recognize and realize that God's not playing games with us. He's not spinning a wheel every day and saying, let's see what we can do today. He's not throwing the dice. He's not asking us, here, pick a card, any card, and let's see what happens. God did not create mankind and then just leave us. We were created for a relationship with God to know Almighty God. God hasn't saved us through the blood of his Son and Savior, Jesus Christ, just to leave us just to see what happens. At our home, I think we still have it, but we had a pillow out for a while, and on it it says that our family is God's favorite sitcom. You would understand it if you knew our children better (laughs) when they were living at home. But that's not God. He's not just sitting back and watching and waiting to see what happens. You want to know proof? Look to the cross. God didn't just create us and then step back. We just had Christmas where we celebrate the manger where God stepped into mankind. In a few more weeks, we're actually going to be focusing on Easter where that baby grew and became a man and then gave his life on the cross after a lot of torture and agony. We sang about his blood His blood paid the price. His death paid the price for your sins and for my sins. That's God caring a lot. Amen? We're in a few weeks going on a trip to Israel. We have a team put together. You have until Thursday if you're interested. One of the, uh, to get all your money in and, and that, there's information on the foyer. One of the things that we did in planning this trip to Israel is that it's before Easter. So we go and we see all these places, the, the, the empty tomb, the Garden of Gethsemane. And then we come back and we go into Easter. And these thoughts will be fresh in our mind, these places where Jesus walked. That's just a side commercial. You can have that. You are a work of art. I'm not going to tell you what kind of art you are, but you're a work of art. You're one of a kind. You're a masterpiece of creation and design. There's only one of you. It's like an artist taking clay, molding it and shaping it, making it into something, or or taking a, a piece of marble and carving it and polishing it into something incredible. A jeweler, a painter, someone who does tapestries. Incredible examples of artistic ability. Michelangelo, perhaps one of the world's greatest Uh, Sculptors once said that every block of stone has a statue inside. And it is the task of the sculptor to discover it. Or another way he put it, he said, or he carves until that, that image is set free from the stone. You see, you're a work of art. Jeremiah 29 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares. I know the plans I have for you. That's God. God is at work in your life. God sees and knows what he wants to make out of your life and to do in your life. I found this video a long time ago. 
And uh, I thought it would fit into our illustration today. We're just going to watch it right now. When that guy comes in, I mean, you have no idea what he's doing. And then he starts doing something on the board, and you still have no idea what he's doing. Not until it's done, not until the sand was thrown onto the glue that he painted on that board, could you see the master's work. Could you see his love, the focus of his love? Sometimes life can be like that. Have you ever said, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? That's where faith and trust comes in. That's where it's important that every day as we get out of bed and we put our feet on the floor, we consciously step into the love of God and know that he's with us. Our text for today, it's uh, really easy. It's one verse. But let's stand together, can we? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let me read it. I was going to break it up into parts, but I thought that would just be too confusing. So let me read it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Lord, we want to thank you for your word and that God, you would in the next few minutes speak to our hearts. God, we would sense and know like never before, and that, God, you would encourage us and help us today to rest in you, to put our faith in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Seated. Setting the stage, I just want to look at those first words for a moment, and we know 
This verse from beginning to end is about faith. It's about trusting. It's about believing. It's about holding on. Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I just love Romans 8, and there's so much in there. But this verse seems to just kind of stand out. It's one of those verses that that stand out almost on its own. And something that sometimes if you know it, you have to keep saying it to yourself again and again and again. The first part is, and we know that for those who love God... The promise seems to be conditional here, that those that love God. Now, love is the foundation. It's the foundation of, well, of who God is. It's not just a characteristic of God, it's his character. It is who God is, as 1 John 4 says. But it's also the foundation of our relationship with God. John's 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Sometimes it's easy to say I love something. Sometimes that word comes out easy. You know, we use that word a lot if you're talking about the food or a sport or activity or a person, it just flows. And sometimes it can flow off our tongue easy even when we say it about God. And of course we love God. But love we know can be hard. It can be both difficult and joyous. Love is a choice. That no matter what happens, that choice is to love and to keep loving. In Mark chapter 12, we read this. The most important one, the laws talking about, Jesus answered is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You get the emphasis there repeating again and again, it's all. And that's the part that becomes hard. With all of we are. I read in reading the Bible, I'm again reading the Bible through this year, and I just read this week the story of Abraham offering Isaac as a sacrifice. You remember that story in Genesis? The son of promise that he'd been waiting for, God says, go and offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham goes. He lays him down. And it, the story is that he, he had the knife in the air. And God calls out and tells him to stop. Now, I think this year the, the version I have is the New Living or something like that. It's a, it's a more modern version that I'm reading. And the, the part that stood out to me, it says, now I know how much you love me. God's saying that to Abraham, now I know how much you love me, that you're willing to to sacrifice the most precious thing you have. Francis Xavier, this is a, a translation of what he wrote. He said this, my God, I love you, not because I hope for heaven hereafter, and not because who do not love you are lost eternally. You, oh my Jesus, you did love me, and upon the cross you embraced. For me, you did bear the nails, the spear, the manifold disgrace. And griefs and torments numberless, and sweat of agony. Yes, death itself, and all for me, who was your enemy. Then why, oh blessed Jesus Christ, should I not love you well? 
Not for the sake of winning heaven, nor of escaping hell. Not from the hope of gaining life eternal, not seeking a reward. But as thyself has loved me, O ever-loving Lord, so would I love thee, dearest Lord. And in thy praise will sing, solely because thou art my God and my most loving King. God knows that we're not perfect. God knows that we are going to have struggles and even struggles to love him. But that's the part of growing and maturing as a child of God. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 3. When I think of the wisdom and the scope of his plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth. And out of his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you the mighty inner strengthening of his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should. How long, how wide, how deep, how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. And so at last, you will be filled up with God himself. Growing, maturing, growing deeper in his love and understanding who he is. That's part of the Christian experience. That's part of what God called us to do. He called us to himself, forgived us of our sins, and then works within us so that we can grow to understand him, to trust in him, to trust and know his love, to have faith in him, even when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, to surrender to him when it seems to be our nature to want to hold on and do things our way, to rest in him, to rest in the fact that you believe that God's got this. He's got this. He's holding this. He's holding you, and he's holding whatever situation you may find yourself in. The next part of our verse is, and we know that for those who love God, all things... The funny thing is, the Greek word for all things, you know what it means? It means all things. Isn't that incredible? It literally means all. You remember when the kids were little babies, feeding them baby food? Do you remember? They didn't always like the vegetables. The fruit they liked. I remember feeding going, oh, you give them a little bit of fruit, And then the next time they open their mouth wide and you stick in the squash. You know? Now, sometimes sometimes we can be like that. Even as adults. And we can only like the good stuff. But all of it works together. We need a balanced diet and exercise. I'm good at the balanced diet part. Well, getting better at the balanced diet part. But in our Christian life, 
all things work together for good. We have to trust that God's, God knows, our Father knows what he's doing. In that, there's God's stuff. God's at work in our life, life, as Philippians 2 talks about, that he's working in us to accomplish something. We also know that, well, the enemy has stuff. The devil is at work. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That everything God is trying to build and do within our life, the enemy wants to tear down. The good stuff, the enemy wants us to see it as bad. He wants to He wants to pervert things. He wants to tarnish things. Anything that God is trying to do for our good, he wants to tear down and get us to tear down. And that's the last part. It's our stuff. We know that when we come to God, God doesn't take away our will. We can still choose. We can still make the choices. And sometimes we make good choices, and sometimes we mess up. Paul says in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. Have you ever said that? I do not understand what I do. For what I I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. We still have that struggle with our old nature. And so our stuff is a part of that when it is all things. The next part of that verse says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together. Here we see the master's hand. Here we see him taking things and molding them and shaping them within our life. Some things he he removes, some things he breaks off in our life. And it's okay to say, ouch. When God's taking something away, it's okay to say it hurts. But don't lose faith. Don't lose trust that he's at work. You're in his loving hands. Sometimes he reshapes things and molds things. Sometimes he uses stuff to create and do other things within us. All things work together. God's stuff, the devil's stuff, our stuff, the good, the bad, all of it together. One thing we need to do is cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He's at work. We need to cooperate with him. That's why it's so important to grow in our faith and our trust in God and in our understanding of what he is doing. In that, it it really comes down to faith and trust and even surrender. How we view things, from where I stand. Can we start seeing that God is at work within our life every day? Not just with good stuff. That sometimes seems to be easy. The blessings, that's easy. It's the hard stuff. It's the difficult things that seem to be hard, but we still need to view it as God is in control. He is doing something. If we've messed up, God's gonna gonna clean up that. He's gonna use that to create something in our life. If anything, a humility that we will repent again, ask his forgiveness, and keep moving on. When we mess up, that is not a stop to God. That's not a halt in what God wants to do within our life. So don't let even your own mistakes hold you back from what God is doing and wants to do in your life. Give it to him. Know that he forgives you and move on in his love and his care. Have you ever thanked God? Of course we thank God. Have you ever thanked him for the hard stuff? 
the bad stuff. A long time ago, I, I remember hearing someone speak a message on thanking him for the bad stuff. And sometimes when we look at our life, we look back, we can see that sometimes the really hard things brought real growth and maturity in our life. Sometimes we experience God in those dark valleys that we would never have experienced if we hadn't journeyed there. Being thankful is just a new way of looking at things. That God isn't against us. He is for us. And that he uses all things. Paul says this in Romans 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. The next part of our verse says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, I'm going to give you another chance here. Do you know what the Greek word for the good here means. It means, okay, I thought I'd help you. Good. <laughs> it does mean good. It means useful for our good, for our advantage, is another way of looking at it. Now we're back at how we view things, how we look at things, how we see things. And then we're also stuck with the idea of whose definition of good are we using. Our culture, if we're honest, can be very self-centered, very selfish. The focus of me, myself, and I. And we can be influenced by that even within the church and even within our Christian life. But God has used a lot of people over the years to um, go through things and then to write about it. Even in the New Testament, Paul writes a lot about him going through things, his testimony And in his writings, the New Testament books, he puts a lot, a lot of things that we can learn, that we can be comforted by, that we can be challenged to keep going, and we can find a peace that we're not alone in what we're going through, that God is at work. James says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And Jesus said this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The last part of our verse says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called 
according to his purpose. The key is his. And that's where sometimes we struggle, even as Christians. His purpose, his will versus our will. I know we have an enemy, an enemy who hates us and wants to destroy us. But a long time I learned that sometimes it's our struggle with ourselves, struggling against God, God trying to do something in our life and us wrestling with God. We need to view things. We need to see things in a way that we know he's at work and that God has a plan. One commentator put it like this. It implies, his purpose implies that God has a plan, purpose, or intention in regard to all who become Christians. They are not saved by chance or haphazard. God does not convert people without design, and his designs are not new, but are eternal. What he does, he always meant to do. What it is right for him to do, it was right always to intend to do it. What God always meant to do is his purpose or plan. God has had a plan for your life before you were even formed or created. When you gave your life to him, he took you and he's never let you go. He is at work within your life. As Christians, we lay down our life to him. It's no longer our own. As Paul says in Galatians, I, am being, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So what's the purpose? What's God's purpose in my life? If we look at our text again, and we look at the next verse, verse 29, that follows after our text, we read, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is at work in our life, and God is doing something, using all things for good in us. What God is doing when he works to mold us, and to even break off old habits or to develop new ones. God is at work to make you, to make us, to make me more like Jesus Christ. There's a lot of stuff in life that we can get caught up with. But what's God doing? What, what is God's goal for our life? Is that you become more like him. Romans 12 talks about uh, having our minds renewed, no longer being conformed to this world, but having our minds transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds. I know we have a spirit and soul, but our minds is a part of that. That's where we choose to believe, even when it's hard to. Even when we're determined to trust God, even when we can't see down the road and where he's taking us. Paul also says in Ephesians that he calls us to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. There's something this world needs to see. It's, they need to see more of Jesus. Amen? They need to see more of his love. 
They need to see more of his mercy and his grace. And do you know how he is going to see that? Do you know how your family is going to see that? Do you know how your loved ones, your, your neighbors, your co-workers, fellow students, you know how they're going to see more of Jesus? Through you, through me. How are they going to understand God's love if we who have been touched by it don't love like he did? How are those going to understand forgiveness if we who have been forgiven so much because of the blood of Jesus Christ don't offer them our own forgiveness? How are they going to know what even mercy and grace is if we don't live that out every day? I don't know what last year held for a lot of you. And I don't know what the future holds for any of us. But from where you stand, you may feel like Adam and Eve, that you've lost something wonderful and beautiful and you're forced into a world that's so different, a world you don't know. You may feel like Moses, standing before an impassable sea and an enemy approaching from behind. You may feel like Daniel, faced with either obeying God and facing those that seek your failure and destruction. You may feel like Jonah, like you've run from God, you've messed up. Will you run to him? Will you call to him? You may feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do I bow down? Do I cave in or do I stand? Will I trust God even when facing the enemy's fire? Maybe you feel like Mary, Joseph, called to do something, but at great personal cost. Maybe you feel like James and John, called to follow Jesus, but to leave your old life behind you. Maybe you feel like Peter, called to be a rock, but still struggling with fear. Maybe you feel like Thomas, finding it so hard to believe in what you can't see and what you can't touch. Maybe you feel like Silas, in a prison, in a pit, in a hole. You've got a choice, either to sing or to cry, either to praise or be lost in despair. Maybe you feel like Mary Magdalene, crying and wondering, where is Jesus? not knowing that he's standing behind you the whole time. Maybe you feel like Paul and that God's taken your world and he has shaken it and turned it upside down and he's called you to believe in him, to trust in him, to stand in him. I want to show uh, another video. It's a song. It's, uh, I want to close with this. I'll be back to pray. When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own and pain is all I know I won't be shaken no I won't be shaken my fear 
God offers us that every day. Every day is a new day. No matter how and what's gone on before us, he offers us every day that we can stand in his love and know his mercy and his grace. We experience that when we first come to him and nothing changes. We mess up. We go to the Father. He forgives us and we keep going on. Standing in his love when we are going through difficulties and hard situations is putting our faith and our trust in him, resting in him, believing in him. Do you know what kind of a beautiful fragrance that is when God's people, even going through a hard situation, look to him and say, I trust you, I love you, I believe in you. Do you know that that is the most beautiful praise that goes up before God? It's good to praise God and he's worthy of it no matter what happens. But when it's hard, when it's a hard choice, when it even feels like a sacrifice, because it doesn't seem easy when you're hurt. And yet you choose to look up and praise and worship him. That's like a slap in the face to the enemy. I don't know what you're going and what you're facing, but God put this on my heart to share with you today that there's an invitation for each and every one of you to stand in his love, to stand in him, to rest in him. I'm going to ask if everyone would close their eyes and bow their heads. No one looking around, please. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, and I'm not going to do anything to, to, do, to do that. But with no one looking around, if you're here today and you have never, you've never asked, you've never taken that really that first step and, and asked Christ to come into your heart, I want you to know that you can do it right here, right now, and where you are. But it's important that you, you take some step. It's important that you identify and for someone to be praying for you. And I'm going to invite you, no one looking around, that if you want to do that today, just to raise your hand and look at me, would you? Anyone here today? Thank you. Anyone else? Now, church, I want to talk to you. Life can sometimes be a challenge and have its challenges. A church is important for you, whether things are going good right now, that you get sealed in to standing in his love every day. That, that means time, people. That means taking some time. And the next thing is making choices. If you're going through a hard time, choose to put your faith in him because he's got you and he's at work within your life. Let's all stand together, can we? Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you that God, your word is so, is so good. And even one little verse reminds us and tells us so much that God, you make all things work together for good, for something that brings you glory and honor. I pray for each of us here today, God, the, the one who 
who receives you right now, all it is is simply saying, Father, forgive me of my sins. And in Jesus' name, make me your child, your son, your daughter. God, I pray that they would just sense and know, even in the simpleness of that, the weight of the sin just going and forgiveness and hope coming into their life. Lord, I pray for those who are, right now things are good, we've had a good, good holiday, we're going into a good year, that God, they would sense like never before a call to draw near to you this year like never before. That God, things are good, but we know we need to know you more. We know we need to get into your word and to spend time in your presence. That God, you would reveal yourself to them and call to them right now that you're inviting them to know you like they have never known you before. And that God before them is an eternity with an almighty, all-powerful God that would stir their very heart to know you more. For those that are going through hardships and difficulties, whether it's, it's things coming from the year behind us or right now what they're facing, that God, you would, by your spirit, reveal yourself to them. God, they would sense the call, the hope they have is that they stand in you, that God, you're going to help them through. The psalmist said that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God, I pray right now that that faith would step into their heart, their very soul and mind, that God, they would know that you've got them. And God, I pray this all for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.